Success is not the absence of failure, it's the persistence through the failure. Aisha Tyler. He's kind of crazy, she's a little insane. Keeping energy really messes with his brain. One is divorced, the other's husband is dead. That's why it's so messed up in the head. It's a Silver Linings Playcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Silver Linings Playcast. I'm your host, Jamie Ward, and as far as I know, this is the only podcast solely devoted to talking about Silver Linings Playbook, the movie, and the Silver Linings Playbook, the book. What a very special episode we have this week. This is our 100th episode, and this is actually part 38 of our special 100th episode. And I'm going to do something kind of special this week. I'm talking a little quieter than I normally do. Let's call this our ASMR tribute episode today. But hopefully you can hear. I'm checking the audio levels. But, um, yeah. It's, well, I'm trying to be quiet, but Tiny Cat is not. Podcat heard me podcasting, and it's going to town, and I'm watching some puppies on the TV. But anyway, I just, I wanted to share that quote at the beginning, which was about persistence, and it's, um, it's kind of funny that they attributed that quote, uh, on the website that I looked to Ayesha Tyler, um, because it feels like an older quote. If she's the one that quoted it, by all means, uh, good on her. She is um, a brilliant, super funny, uh, and talented comedian and actress, and y'all should look her up and know who that is. I got to see her live at the Punchline in Atlanta um, a couple times, or or, uh, she used to go to the Funny Farm and stuff too, but um, anyway, yeah, I thought that was an older quote, it is, it is attributed to various people uh, on some internet sites, but uh, if you, if you look it up, success is not the absence of failure, it's the persistence, it's persistence through failure, Um, at least according to my Google algorithm, it very much thinks that that quote is attributed to Aisha Tyler, and if if you take a quick look at her sort of um, track record, you could understand that. Why? Uh, just going off her Wikipedia, um, skipping to the middle of of uh, she pursued an early interest in comedy at Mc McAteer High School in San Francisco, a special program for the arts, named Ruth Asawa San Francisco School of the Arts. Attended high school with Sam Rockwell and Margaret Cho. Had a crush on Rockwell. Followed him to acting class one day, leading her an interest in improv and sketch. Tyler graduated from Dartmouth College in 1992. She was a member of the Tabard, a co-ed fraternity at Dartmouth. She co-founded and sang in the Dartmouth Rockapellas, an all-female acapella group devoted to spreading social awareness through song. Briefly worked as a San Francisco advertising firm. Then she moved to L.A. to pursue... Uh, comedy. She has a really long list of um, uh, great career. Um, still, still working. Uh, you might recognize her most recently um, from being the host of uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway? After Drew Carey. 
and, and a way better host. So anyway, um, yeah, it, uh, it would be total sense if, if that is her quote and me just being, uh, generationists to think it's older, but she's quite capable of saying something that sounds as timeless as that. The reason I picked a quote like that is because, oh man, today's about, it was tough to get to the podcast today. And I'm saying that as it's, it's a Sunday, it's the 29th of January before, uh, the podcast and man, it, I was, I was tired. I'll be honest. I woke up from sleep. I wasn't all the way asleep, but I was in that state where you sort of lay in bed. We've been watching uh, TV. We started watching Buffy. Um, I think I talked about how Angel is a fantastic show, and so we finally decided to give a shot to the original series that came before it, Buffy, um, which I like. It's it's good. It's not. Uh, it's it's more melodramatic than Buffy, so I don't like that aspect as much. I'm not sort of into the high school drama romance part of the storyline, but the humor is very much the same. The mix of sci-fi, horror, fantasy, the occult, it's very good. Um, so anyway, we've been watching that. Um, sort of, we sort of knock out a couple episodes a day, but we usually end up, one of us or both of us ends up falling asleep during different parts of it, and I fell asleep during the last one, um, but fortunately, yes, I know, it's Sunday, this used to be a Thursday podcast that I recorded on Wednesday, but I've been keeping busy, I'm working on filming just a local documentary on the comedy scene here, and I'll tell you, that's, that's sort of a big thing for me, because I've never been the filming guy, right, I've never really been interested in the production, and I'm, I'm not interested in production now uh but i want to get it done i really i've had this equipment where i was i was supposed to be doing sketches for myself for the past couple of years and i just decided i was going to learn about it um get to know lenses get to know cameras get to know lighting get to know sound and part of what's been fun is, is it's a lot more fun to go out into the world and record those things so that you can make movies and you can understand them better. And it's funny because now I see myself looking at shots, um, from different TV shows and sort of trying to guess the millimeter, uh, of lens used and sort of looking at where the director of photography and the director uh, put the cameras and blocked the actors. And and I'm not to the point where I'm so obsessive that I'm, I'm watching that stuff and it's taking away from the enjoyment of watching um, this regular... Uh, hold on, I've got a sweet little kitty that just showed up on my desk and she's trying to hang out. Um, and... Yeah, so it's not to that point where it's like ruining my enjoyment of other things, of simply just watching TV and movies, uh, but I am aware of it now, as I try to do do things. And 
it's uh, it's sort of fun paying attention to that stuff because it really, in, in my eyes, it adds to understanding the writing, understanding why the directors wanted to focus on different aspects of uh, like which, which character is listening, which character is responding, which character is leading this situation. Um, and it's something to think about, uh, you know, as far as who is in the scenes and how are they going um, in what direction. So I'm excited. I, ha- I definitely have ambition to do non, um, what's it called? Non comedy. Uh, wait, no, no. Non. I, w- I want to do fictional narrative filmmaking, but I'm definitely exercising the documentary skill set right now. Um, and some, and par- partially. I think it's a little bit of a more forgiving way to get in because I'm not focused on the writing so much. I'm focused on the recording. I'm letting my subject matter be the audience. My subject matter is the narrative. All I have to do is follow where that goes. And yes, now when it gets to the next process of editing, um, you know, that will be just as labor-intensive, um, and in fact, and sort of more labor-intensive in documentary making, I think, because then you have to piece the story together, piece by piece. Whereas a movie like Silver Linings Playbook, the editor could, or the director and the editor could sit down together, if if they did that. But I'm guessing, and I'm guessing, David O. Russell is that kind of person that would do that, and um, you know, and decide on how how these things were going to to look um, and what order the scenes would come in right let's let's just take a moment and look up who actually edited because nobody ever it's uh, who edited silver linings playbook silver linings playbook was a movie that was based on um, Oh, it's got two, uh, based on the book, The Silver Linings Playbook. So the editors of 2012's uh, American Romantic Comedy Drama, which was written and directed by David O. Russell, were Jay Cassidy and Crispin Struthers. So let's look up Crispin Struthers first. He's a two-time Oscar-nominated film editor, nominated for the 85th Awards for the Silver Linings Playbook. Boom, boom. Uh... And 2013 American Hustle. Oh, okay, so he's a he's probably another guy that, that uh, David O. Russell works with closely. And I think directors and editors often have. It's that's kind of amazing that we're 100 episodes in before we ever even looked into the editing of this. Look look at how much we overlook editors. Uh, Crispin Struthers and his fellow editor are nominated for the Academy West Awards in the 2013 American Hustle. So I'm wondering if uh, Jay Cassidy is also... Um, now let's look up Jay Cassidy's uh, IMDb. And he is an editor, right? So 
he oh this this guy has a pretty good editor. Edited uh, most recently Amsterdam uh, in 2020, a Joe Biden biography, The King of Staten Island, Birds of Prey, and the fan, fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. A star is born. Thank you for your service. The Night of, The Last Face, Joy, Fury, Foxcatcher, American Hustle, Silver Linings Playbook, Obama 2012 con convention film, From the Sky Down, Seeking Justice, Justin Bieber, Never Say Never, Conviction, Waiting for Superman, Brothers, Johnny Got His Gun, A Mother's Promise, Barack Obama's biofilm, Into the Wild, Three Pounds, First Snow, An Inconvenient Truth, Wanted, The Assassination of Richard Nixon, Thought Crimes, Ballistic, X versus Ever, Tuck Everlasting, 110901, September 11th, The First Year, The Pledge, Gossip, Urban Legend, The Replacement Killers, The Hunchback, Albino Alligator, Crossing Guard, Brain Scan, Bodies Rest and Motion, Norman and the Killer, The Indian Runner, Frankenstein Unbound, Friday Night Part 2, Aloha Summer, The Making of Liberty, Boathouse 66, High Schools, Love is Forever, Multicross Texas, The End of August, John F. Kennedy, 1917-1963, A Short, H.R. 6161, An Act of Congress, Almost Crying, and Jerusalem Lives. He's been the producer on three things. Let's have some Church Detroit style, Frankenstein Unbound, and Three for the Road. And he worked camera at Electrical Department on The Thorn. 1971 film as a camera operator. So it's very interesting to see the list of other things that he um, had edited. Clearly you have a lot of, it looks like he sort of settled into his genre uh, taste for, for the sort of drama Oscar Beatty movies that like Silver Linings Playbook might be called, um, but had war movies, had horror movies, music videos, and documentary style. So I, I didn't really know. I know that sometimes filmmakers are attributed to sort of have a style that is their movie genre that they're sort of known for sometimes, um, but that, again, that is not all, that is not always the case either. Um, because, uh, uh, there, um, let's see, which is kind of like, um, Alfred Hitchcock. I actually watched a really interesting documentary that I had never heard of before. It is a 2017 documentary called 78 slash 52. And it is completely about, um, the, 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 here's, the, here's the log line. An unprecedented look at the iconic shower scene in Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho from 1960. The man behind the curtain and the screen murder that profoundly changed the course of world cinema. Now, this is actually a movie that is just about that scene, too. It is a full 90-minute documentary, um, which stars... Uh, 
I think the main, the person that shows up the most, Marley Renfro, who was uh, Janet Lee's body double, archival footage of Hitchcock. It has some um, different uh, different takes from different filmmakers. Um, Elijah Wood talks in it. Uh, Peter Bogdanovich, um, Eli Roth, uh, a bunch of people. Uh, uh, Guilherme del Toro. Um, they all talk about the impact of it. Basically both as on the film, but socially too. And they were talking about how Hitchcock sort of broke out of every genre that he was a, a part of too. He'd make a movie and then he'd sort of be like, hey, I'm going to make a different kind of movie about this sim same or similar topic. And so that was uh, one of the things where he had made North by Northwest before, which was sort of like a big action adventure movie and felt like he was sort of going against everything that he had just made genre-wise by saying, oh, I'm going to make a horror film next. And then going ahead and making one of the most classic, iconic horror films of all time. Is there a more um, sort of, yeah, Historically significant, historically significant horror film than Psycho. I actually would venture to say that the horror genre is very important to cinema. Um, because it really, it, it pushes the medium in both technical aspects and writing in ways that some other films don't and are not even able to. And let's look up the list of, according to IMDb, of the 50 most important horror films. It doesn't actually say why they are, but uh, number one is The Exorcist. Number two is Psycho. Number three, Night of the Living Dead. Number four, Halloween. Number five, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Number six, The Shining. Number seven, Jaws. Number eight, Scream. Number nine, Alien. Ten, Silence of the Lambs. Eleven, Rosemary's Baby. Twelve, Dawn of the Dead. Thirteen, Nosferatu. Fourteen, The Birds. Fifteen, The Descent. Sixteen, Carrie. Seventeen, Freaks. Eighteen, Poltergeist. Nineteen, Lot Din Rate Coma In. Oh, Let the Right One In. Number 20, The Blair Witch Project. Number 21, Bride of Frankenstein. Number 22, The Omen. Number 23, Suspiria. Number 24, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Number 25, Don't Look Now. Number 26, Night De Dead of Night. Number 27, Phantasm. Number 28, Friday the 13th. Number 29, Wreck. It's in record. Number 30, The Sixth Sense. Number 31, Changeling. The Changeling. Number 32, The Evil Dead. Number 33, Trick or Treat. Number 34, The Last House on the Left. Number 35, Misery. Oh, The Last House on the Left. That's, I think that's different. That's a Wes Craven movie uh, from 1972. 
The Last House on the Left. Was that the movie? The the house at the end of the street. Never mind. Okay. That um, Nick had told me uh, after he had started to watch and said it was just one of the worst movies he had ever seen. Not necessarily worst movies he'd ever seen, but surprisingly bad movies to follow up. Did we talk about this ever on the podcast? House at the End of the Street was a 2012 American psychological thriller directed by Mark Tonderi, uh, starring Jennifer Lawrence. And he was just sort of blown away that the... Um, basically in the same year that Jennifer Lawrence would basically be Oscar-nominated for... Silver Linings playbook, she would have been in in house at the end of the street. That he he thought his his complaint was he was just surprised how amateur it looked. Um, that that visually, writing, editing, that it, it just did not look like a professional film. I think. Uh, anyway, back to our list. Thirty five misery. I, I so house, last house on the left. I thought maybe that was the same movie that was remake, and that might be understanding of why it was made stylistically to look like something else, but apparently no relation. Number 35, Misery. Number 36, Child's Play. Number 37, The Haunting. Number 38, El Espinazo del Diablo. Number 39, The Sentinel. Number 40, The Serpent and the Rainbow. Uh... Number 41, Hellraiser. Number 42, Profondo Rosso. Uh, Deep Red. Um, Number 43, The Ring. Number 44, Creep Show. Number 45, Salem's Lot. Number 6, Don Per L'Assassino Blood and Black Lace. Number 47, The Hills Have Eyes, 1977. That's the year Star Wars came out. Uh, Number 48, Audition, oh, audition, audition, oh, the uh, Japanese, Japanese English spelling, O with a uh, little accent mark on the top, O-D-I-S-H-O-N, audition, uh, by Takashi Miki. Number 49, Ecologia del Delito, Bay of Blood. Number 50, Saw. So look at that list. That's a great list. Because you look at that list and you think, how many of those horror films are also on lists of classic and iconic movies that stood the test of time? And yet they're sort of relegated to this genre, being a genre movie. Um, That's... That's okay. You know, um, it really, really uh, should be, I don't know. I, I think it is important to have genres because it helps people sort of identify films that they want to see. But I also feel like, well, let's go to the award ceremonies in all cases. Like, should, should there be different genres when you're giving out awards for things. In some ways, yes, because I think, like, then 
Well, there's the like, controversy between like the way the Oscars do it and the way the Golden Globes do it. And the Golden Globes put comedy and musicals uh, together. And there's there's going to be... By, anyway, I guess, I guess that's not important. I really love creating, so I guess how art is awarded... It's why I feel like every way to do it would be controversial, because I don't really think you should do it. You should just give out yearly acknowledgments of some of the best, but not have a number standard, and also maybe not hold yourself to feeling like you have to do it every year. Because maybe there's... Year, we've talked about that, too, if you go back to the early episodes where we talk about the Academy Awards and the controversies. And also, I just recognized Christoph Waltz from a movie trailer that I found the other day. And I'm really excited, and now I want to watch it, because he is absolutely amazing. Uh, just one of the best actors I've ever seen. Ever. One of my favorites, at, at least of modern times. And so, yes, I am one of those people that is like, I will watch anything <laughs> that man does, because it's incredible. Um... He brings nuance to the roles in a gentle, authentic, and, and firm and scary way, too. I mean, he is some of the best villains I've ever seen. This is a range, because some people are villain actors. Some people are hero actors. He plays both sides of the, the character morality. And why? Because he says he is the protagonist. Even if he's not, he makes himself the protagonist. He is the hero of his story. Whether he's the hero of the story we are watching, that, that may or may not be the case. But his character, he is the hero of his storyline. And that's good acting. And I've been thinking a lot about acting. Acting's hard. And I definitely want to give credit to all the actors that spend all their time working on their craft and being amazing at it because I've been, uh, Katie and I have been working on just practicing some, some monologues and different things. I, it's the first time in a long time that I've sort of stretched the acting muscle a little bit to, to remember how I used to do um, the cold read. Uh, I never really won anything parts or got cast anything the funny thing the things I got cast for uh ever had nothing to do with my audition and I actually did pretty poorly um on them but you know I I tried and I really enjoyed doing the I, I love the art of acting I would love to be an actor but it's just not my priority to tell the story of one character I want to tell the story of all the characters, because I just think that way. And it's not a better or a worse thing, it's just I'm, I'm finding that. I'm finding where my focus is going to be. It's like you find the favorite level of your shot. Some people like to write um, because they like the narrative. I think I just enjoy telling the story of the whole world and how to view it. And it's why I'm sort of settling in on film. And so I'm I'm excited about that. Well, um, I think actually I'm going to wrap up here because I'm kind of 
trying to be a little quiet and tired, and I want to go back to bed. But how about this? I mean, we we made it halfway through. It's it you know you thought it was going to be a real episode, but uh, you can probably tell because I'm sort of half talking quietly this whole time. I'm tired, um, and also because I got a lot of stuff to do. Uh, we got a lot of things going on. Some that I can't talk about yet. Um, because even, even though some of them are confirmed, uh, I'm just not ready to release these, but I, uh, there's some good things happening in my career right now. I've been getting back into stand-up comedy and I haven't practiced that many times yet, but I'm feeling it. It's coming back, so we're gonna work on doing those things I need to do so I can record some albums this year. Uh, but for for now, um, I'm just happy that I can record this podcast. And even if it's becoming a burden, which it may or may not be, it's not. I'm just kidding. Why I can't complain? I'm doing it. I've been doing it. it it's this thing that I thought I was gonna give up on a while ago, like years ago, and. Um, you know, the absolute opposite. The absolute opposite happened. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, thanks for tuning in this week. If you did, uh, I part of the reason I've got stuff to do is I got to get on work because I've we've got projects. I've got to get myself to New Orleans ASAP. I thought I was going to be there this weekend, but we had some stuff come up. But uh, we're going to get back. I'm I gotta get there because I got some really big projects coming up, or that we're in the middle of, or that we're working on stuff. So that, that's cool. Anyway, uh, thanks for tuning in. Tune in next week and every week as long as we decide to keep doing this for all the latest on Silver Linings Playbook, the movie, and the Silver Linings Playbook, the book. Until next time, we'll see you down the road and Excelsior. He's kind of crazy. She's a little insane. Keeping Kenny G really messes with his brain. One is divorced. The other's husband is dead. That's why it's so messed up in the head. It's a silver linings play cast. <laughs>